Good morning, everyone, and on Zoom. Good morning, thank you. I wonder if you ever find that when you struggle with something, God then makes you look at it really carefully. And uh, for me this morning, we are looking at the topic of wisdom. Now, I struggle a little bit in this area in that when people say to me, you are wise, which a few have done, um, I, I don't know how to react. How do I take it? What do they mean? And am I really wise? Because I know the kind of mistakes I make. I know even while I was preparing for this talk, I made a terrible mistake. And, you know, you just think, really, God? So I then found that I was asked to do this subject of wisdom. And my first reaction was, goodness, really? And then you begin to read into the scriptures and to prepare. And I, and I would say to you that this topic of wisdom is so broad and so uh, multifaceted that I can only hope to scratch the surface this morning and to take your thoughts in some areas. As Martin has said, we're starting a new series. We're looking at the gifts of the Spirit, the fact that they are gifts. And so wisdom is a gift from God. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it says, The Holy Spirit is given to each of us in a special way. That is for the good of all. And to some people, the Spirit gives a message of wisdom. So we're going to try and unpack that this morning and think about um, what it means uh, to be given the gift of wisdom. Now, when we think about the uh, Bible and we think about people in the Bible who perhaps have wisdom, I'm sure you're all thinking, um, as people out in the world would think of, of King Solomon. And so we're going to start with King Solomon. I don't know how many of you have been in a wedding where the uh, best man has given to the comments to the bride and groom that he wishes them the patience of Job, the wisdom of Solomon, and the children of Israel. But it is true to say that we can learn from Solomon about wisdom. So we're going to find three particular areas from Solomon and then move on. So first of all, in 2 Chronicles 1 verse 7, we are told that God, that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered God in verse 10, Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? So first of all, Solomon could have asked for anything, and he chose to ask for wisdom. He could have asked for great riches. He could have asked for uh, to be known throughout the world. And actually, God allowed him those things as well. And so he, was asked, he asked for wisdom. And in asking for it, his reason was so that he could lead God's people. And so we have a very good reason here to want to have wisdom. We want to be able to be led by people who have the gift of wisdom in our church. You see, Solomon perhaps felt a bit overwhelmed by all this, uh, the people that he was going to have to govern and I think sometimes we can be, when we're leading people, we can feel a bit overwhelmed as well. And so not just the leaders, as in the elders of our church, would we pray for a gift of wisdom, but also there are the midweek group leaders. There are the leaders of our other ministries. 
And then Dave very helpfully reminded us last week that some of us are in leadership in our homes or in amongst our friends or at work. And for all these areas, how important is that gift of wisdom? So we want to be able to ask God for that gift. Later on in Chronicles, we are told that the Queen of Sheba went to visit Solomon and she'd heard about him because she'd heard that he was very wise. And so she asked him about everything she wanted to know. And he answered all her questions. There wasn't anything too hard for him to explain to her. So he could see just how wise she was. Well, I think that sounds like a bit like mastermind to me. And uh, Solomon was able, with with this gift of knowledge, to be able to answer all sorts of questions. We are grateful to God for those who also can take those big questions of faith um, and make them applicable and answer them. I have to say that I've discovered that being able to say I don't know the answer is almost as wise. But today's society, we spend a lot of time thinking about knowledge. And in this time of year, particularly with the exam results coming out, they begin to take on a great importance, this academic knowledge. And uh, I think that we have, are in danger, or we can be in danger, of making more importance on those. They are important. But if we are putting that above the importance of the development of wisdom and morality and the spiritual lives of our children, then we are placing the wrong emphasis. Because wisdom isn't just to do with knowledge. It is so much more than that. There's also the story in 1 Kings about Solomon with the two women. You remember they both gave birth to children and unhappily one of the children died. And so that mother, uh, so the mother of the child who died was trying to claim the others, the child of the other person as hers. And so they came before Solomon and arguing about who was the real mother. So what happened was, Solomon said, eventually he said, cut the child in half and leave it at that. And of course, that revealed the true mother very quickly, because which mother would want your child to have that to happen to that child? And so the true mother was able to say, all right, that's fine, leave it to the other woman. And of course, Solomon was able to see just how much that mother loved the baby and the true mother. And the answer to the outcome of that was that everyone in Israel was amazed when they heard how Solomon had made his decision. They realized that God had given him wisdom to judge fairly. See, wisdom isn't just perhaps about taking what's presented before you, but it's actually being able to understand beyond that, the bigger picture. Those people who have wisdom are able to see into a situation, are able to uh, understand what lies behind the situation. And as we minister to each other in the church, how important and how wonderful it is to be given that gift of knowledge, of, oh, sorry, the gift of wisdom, very much specifically wisdom here, to be able to see situations and read um, what's behind them and to know. So that's three very good reasons for wanting the gift of wisdom, for leadership and for knowledge and for gaining a greater perspective on life. 
But uh, there's a note of caution here, which those of you who know your Bibles know, that Solomon unhappily, actually he sinned and he moved away from his relationship from God. And despite having all that wisdom and all that knowledge, he lost his kingdom, or his son lost his kingdom. And only one of the nations was kept for his ancestors, which was a very important thing. And so sometimes we know of people who also have great wisdom and great knowledge and who lead in a very influential way, and then something seems to go wrong. And so there has to be a way around that in our lives. There has to be a guarding against that, which we'll come on to in a minute. But I can sense that there are people listening to this who are saying, well, that's fine. It doesn't count me in because I'm not a leader and I don't have to do difficult things like that and I'm not asked to answer all sorts of questions. Well, I want to encourage you not to think of yourselves in that way, but to think wisdom. Do I need wisdom? When do I need wisdom? How do I need wisdom? And how can I get wisdom? And so we come to the New Testament and we come to Paul And he was writing to his church in Corinth, which is where where this list of gifts comes from. And as he was writing to them, he was very aware of these people were very, um, very mindful of what their lifestyle was like. They were amidst the people that were in their uh, religious life. They were with people with their Greek mystery cults or the Roman way of thinking when argument and uh, rhetoric was really important to be able to put things in a clever argument and well presented and that seemed to be what was important. And indeed, preachers had followed after Paul and were doing the same thing. And so he wants to redress that. And so he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I think when you were called... You were not wise by human standards, and you weren't very noble birth. You weren't very influential. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And he chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And he goes on in verse 30. It's because of God that you are in Christ Jesus, which we've also had in the word that that Jarek brought this morning. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. He who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. And so therefore, when it comes to uh, wisdom, when it comes to knowing things, we want to know Jesus. Jesus has become for us wisdom. Yes, we can know God through creation or through his morality or through our spiritual experiences, but primarily we become to know Jesus through, through we come to know God through Jesus in a very personal way. As I was reading and preparing for this, I read a commentary on Proverbs, and David Atkinson said, The wisdom, the values, and the spirit of God are seen in Jesus. And so it is that God is wisdom, and out of his wisdom, he gives us Jesus, who is our wisdom. And in turn, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, can give us the gift of wisdom. So we've already talked about the importance of knowledge in our society, but we also teach we also live in an age of where spirituality has come to mean so many different things. And perhaps wisdom is portrayed as getting to know oneself 
knowledge of oneself, and in the light of that, respond to any given situation. Our society has become very egocentric, concentrates on the self. But what we find right there back in the Old Testament, and again we'll bring it out in, later in the New Testament, in Proverbs 9 it tells us, the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's what we need to be able to do. And there are so many good reasons to do it. Proverbs 2 verse 4 says, Look for it, look for wisdom as silver and search for it as a hidden treasure. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And so in this way, we see that actually in finding out about God, in becoming to a wonderful relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, through Jesus, then we can know about wisdom. We will begin to find wisdom. So this is kind of an an intimate knowledge, much like in a marriage. I remember a, a friend of mine talking about the fact that he and his wife were with a a couple and having a discussion and uh, things got a bit tough and his wife was able to just walk away. Now, she didn't have to explain to him why she'd walked away. He knew. He knew his wife and he knew that if she'd stayed, she might have said something she shouldn't. So she had the sense to walk away, but his intimate knowledge of her meant that he he didn't have to be asked. He knew exactly why she'd moved away. That's the kind of intimate knowledge we're talking about. Getting to know our Heavenly Father in that deep and powerful way. And how can we do that? We can read his word. We can study his word. And I would encourage you to go back, as I've encouraged myself, to go back and study wisdom in the Bible. So rich and so full of it. But also, there is the responsibility, the possibility of developing our prayer life. Now, when I asked a group of people recently who was wise in our church, the first name they came up with almost immediately was Joyce Curtin. Now, some of you won't know Joyce, but I trust that she's with us on Zoom this morning. She often is, if not always is. Now, Joyce is one of those prayer warriors. And when they said about Joyce, they said it wasn't because of her age... So wisdom isn't necessarily to do with her age. She is 93, but it's not to do with that. The wisdom that they saw in her came from the fact that she spent time with God in prayer, talking to him. And that gave her the ability then to know what God would want to say in any given situation. I'm sure those of you like me that know Joyce would agree that she is one of our treasured with uh, nuggets of wisdom. So the ministry gifts mentioned in Corinthians chapter 12 are given to the church for the benefit of everyone. There's not uh, any point in keeping wisdom to oneself. It doesn't work that way. It only is shown in a relationship with other people. So we need to be able to understand Jesus and to make him known. We want to be able to understand what it is about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. What does it mean? And then 
to be able to explain it. What a wonderful gift that is. And we're very grateful for those who teach in a way here on ser in sermons. So a way that we can learn so much more and feel when we've heard it. Yes, I'm all the richer for having heard that sermon. There are those who work in the Alpha team. Um, we hope to have one later in the year. Who encourage people to ask questions and can help people to understand what Jesus did for them. And also what it means to be a Christian. And maybe someone came alongside you at some point and explained things to you, made things sensible for you. I'm very grateful for the workers of children, with children. In way back, uh, I became a Christian at the young age of 11. And I'm grateful to God for a lady called Miss Reynolds, who was my Sunday school leader at that time, and for how she was able to make the Bible, church, God, Christian things relevant to me as an 11-year-old. I'm sure she was given wisdom to do that. So we need to pray for the wisdom of God to be given to those who lead these areas of our life in church. And for each of us, as you go and speak to people, as you meet people, as you meet your friends, your colleagues, your neighbors, your children, your grandchildren, how we need the gift of wisdom to be able to express things in a way that other people will understand. So wisdom doesn't stay in our heads. It's very much reflected in the way that we live. And so we're going to come on to a particular passage of Scripture this morning. James chapter 3. Now James is a book that's talking about life and how to live it. And uh, this is a one aspect of it. But let me just have a drink first. So James chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 13 to 18, which talks about two kinds of wisdom. And I'm sure this will be, resonate with you. Who is wise and understanding among you? Oh, I wonder if I asked you that this, this morning, what you would say. But the answer here in James is, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it, sorry, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So we find this teaching in James follows on from what he's been saying about the tongue and how it's really important to control the tongue because so much evil can, or so much damage can be done by the tongue. And here he's saying, you know, if you have wisdom, is it the right kind of wisdom? Is it the kind of, I know that, and it breeds discontent and uh, puffing oneself up? 
That's not the wisdom that we are seeking from God. That's not God's gift to us. What he wants for us to do is to be expressions of wisdom. So it's um, a, what somebody called wisdom for living and using God-given wisdom. And how that is expressed is very much in acts of service to others. And we certainly want that in our community as a church. So wisdom isn't a set of moves that you can learn or actions. It's not something you can do. It's not something you can repeat. But it's rather seen in the very character of a person. How James describes it is through adverbs, describing how the person does something, how the actions are performed, peace-loving, gentle, willing to yield, full of compassion, good deeds, and without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. That is meekness, and meekness is shown in relationship. So who are we looking for in being people who are wise? People who are godly in character, sharp in discernment, helpful in advice, and can give counsel. <coughs> Sorry. When you're at a point of decision-making, when you're about to start something new, who do you look for? What do you look for in the people you speak to for advice? I can remember when Dave asked me to step back up into uh, work within the pastoral team. It was a case of, I knew that I wanted to do it, but I also knew I needed to check it out. And so I had a friend, I told him why beforehand so he could pray about it. I asked what he would think. Yes, I asked for his advice, but I didn't want his personal advice. I wanted the wisdom that I knew he would get and be given from God that he could give to me. And so it was somebody perhaps who could then shed a light on my situation. He knew me. He knew the church. He knew of my role in the church. He knew God's call on my life. And so he was able to speak into the situation and to be able to give me some warnings. Don't take on too much, Maggie. I'm sure some of you have heard that before. But he was also able to encourage me because he had the wisdom from God and knew just what to say. So we will look to those people who can shed a light on a confused situation or bring a perspective on another or provide an irrefutable frame of reference. These are the people we need to turn to when we're faced with problems and decisions. We don't want to be going to the other side, to people who just want to agree with us and who will puff us up in our own expectations. We want those people who reflect God and his loveliness. Dave mentioned last week that it's actually difficult to see the gifts of the Spirit without the fruit of the Spirit. So I'd remind us once again that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. <coughs> so wisdom is an antidote, if you like, to personal whims and fancies. It's an antidote to jealousy and selfish ambition or over-concern for one's position. 
Wisdom comes from our relationship with God and is shown in our relationship with others in our community. Let me say that again. Wisdom comes from our relationship with God and it's shown in our relationship with others. And so we've looked at various aspects of wisdom. We've thought about the need for leadership. We've talked about the need to be able to answer questions sometimes. We've talked about uh, the difference between wisdom and knowledge. We talked about the importance of being able to seek God and to get to know him. And then it will be seen in our lives as we reflect God. I'd like to ask the band to come up because I'd like to sing one of the songs that we sang earlier. Um, and in this song, it talks about building our lives on Jesus. And there is a particular part of the song that I, I picked up on, which is, open up my eyes in wonder, show me who you are, this is God, and fill me with your heart, sorry, fill me with your heart, and lead me in your love to those around me. So have an intimate relationship with God. Let him fill your hearts with himself so that you can go out to others. So as we sing this song, I would encourage you and ask you to reflect on the gift of wisdom. And if perhaps, like me, you were a little bit nervous about it, please take the idea this morning that we all need that gift at different times. And God is very happy to give it to us. And in fact, James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom... You should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Thank you.